0: Good adventures, everybody. I'm Melissa Bonzek, and welcome to episode 97 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with authors you should be reading. We've got a great one for you this week. I am chatting with Kamala Devi McClure. We're talking about their book, Sacred Sexual Healing. Lots of great stuff. But if you listen in the car with kids, you might want to have them sit this one out. Otherwise, let's get right to it, and I'll see you after. I want to welcome Kamala Devi to the show today. Hi, pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you and I'm going to read your bio first. So sure. uh, let me do that first. Kamala Devi McClure is a mystic muse and mentor. Their pronouns are they them. And they're also known as KD as a pansexual genderqueer art activist. KD has authored seven books and they've starred on Showtime's reality TV series, Polyamory, Married and Dating and been featured on Dr. Drew. Tower Banks, and the award-winning documentary, Sex Magic. After almost 20 years of teaching Tantra, sacred sexuality, and temple arts around the world, Katie currently lives by the ocean with her husband and son in San Diego, where they're on a virtual book tour for two new books, Sex Shamans and 52 Fridays. Excellent. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, your um, erotica fiction afterwards, but I wanna jump right into sex and uh no I foreplay have... no no lube <laughs> uh, so i have a british friend who told me that americans been all around the world lived all over done all kinds of things and said americans are the most uptight culture he has ever experienced and mm-hmm. i thought about it and thought yeah I'm, i do, do you agree with that <clears throat>
1: i <laughs> i think that's a, a vast uh, like sweeping generalization. So I have a hard time agreeing with anything that's categorically that simple. Um, but I will say having traveled all over the world uh, and especially looking at through the lens as a sex educator of different cultures and, and how, the, how sex is handled, I'd say we are the most schizophrenic in that we're mo- both sex obsessed and, and puritanically sex you know, restricted.
0: You know, that's a much better way to say it because we are, we are obsessed with sex, but we don't like to talk about it <laughs> at we all.
1: Like, yeah, we like to talk about other people's sex or judge other people's sex, but the actual vulnerable revealing of here's what's happening in in my orgasmic response or in my partnership
0: or that that is the big taboo. I want to talk about your book, Sexual, Sacred Sexual Healing. But before we get into that, I want you to explain to people who do not know what is Tantra. Sure. It's a pretty
1: controversial topic to explain because there's a lot of mysticism around it and uh, misunderstanding as well. Uh, Tantra, at its essence, is a path towards enlightenment that includes the embodied experience of pleasure orgasm, sexuality, but it's, it transcends that as well. So the tantric path is like a, a holistic one that is not just embodied, but also transcendental. So it, in its essence, collapses a lot of the, the essential dualities. It's a non-dual path.
0: In the sexual, sacred sexual healing, I'm sorry, I keep saying it wrong. You talk about four different kinds of sex. Yes. So so go into that just a little bit.
1: Happy to. And I want to make the distinction uh, that Tantra is often synonymous with sacred sexuality and the important, you know, when I kind of gave this politically correct definition of what Tantra is, it's to make the distinction that sacred sexuality is sacred sexuality. It's like, you know, bringing spirituality and sexuality together. And that's what that path is. Tantra is about life and everything. Sexuality just happens to be included. So that's a really important uh, piece is that those two things are really different. And then sacred sexual healing, the book that you're referencing um, is more about releasing the shame and the guilt and the fears, which is different than a path towards enlightenment. Right? There's, there's these different kind of categories. And in this book, it's actually a, a paradigm I learned from Ray Stubbs, K- Kenneth Ray Stubbs, who's an energy master. And he talks at the fundamental level of um, like restorative sex. So sex at the, actually at the deepest level, we all know procreation, right? So I'll say here are the four, there's procreation, there's recreation, there's, uh, it's um, a tra- trans, not before transformation, it's restorative, which is sexual healing. I'll go into that. But then ultimately, it's transformation. So those are the four kind of like uh, progressive steps of consciousness and sexuality. So in a nutshell, all of the religions that teach, you know, sex is for the purpose of having children. And a lot of the um, people who believe that that's what it's for and anything else is shameful are really in the consciousness of sex is for procreation. But then we have the awakening into, oh, but it's fun. (laughs) And, And this body is built for pleasure. And, you know, sometimes that includes drinking and playing and casual sex. And sometimes it can be with a deep committed partner, but that sex can be had with birth control <laughs> for pleasure is that next level. And then the book that you're referencing kind of starts in at, the, at these next two higher levels, which is sacred sexual healing. Restorative sex can be, we're doing sex for, uh, to cultivate energy, to heal any aches or pains or, illness in the body or even just um you know healing the shame and the guilt and becoming a whole person so that's the restorative piece and once we're healed and it's really you know we have to kind of get through the healing before we get into the transformative sex which is the more transcendental path towards god uh experience of of Magic and ch- changing reality based on your life force energy and your uh,
0: mastery of it. So you you do workshops. Do people jump in at different points, or do you start them all in the same at the same starting point?
1: Well, I've been teaching for twenty years. Sometimes intro classes, sometimes really advanced, deep, you know, immersive experiences. So I have you know different levels. My invitation like this book is that's what part of why I love writing is that it's for anyone who's like hey I'm not sure I want to get naked in a room or I don't know that I want to reveal what's happening to a teacher have someone see me in my sexuality it's like well great read this book on your own and you'll see there's a there's a transmission and there's practices and there's things that you can do until you feel confident confident comfortable ready enough to do it in a workshop setting
0: so and you you go around and do these I saw all over the world you were, right. uh, where were you recently? Well, before the pandemic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from Berlin to, I mean, I just scheduled something in Belgium, but um, have been through uh, Bali. I'm really on the bees, aren't I? Um, but the Spain, not only Europe, we are doing them in, uh, in Brazil. <laughs> Still stuck on the bees. Um, I can go through the whole alphabet, but the school that I work with, Uh, So I'm on the faculty for the International School of Temple Arts, and we've done it in 40 countries. You know, that includes in Africa, and it includes um, in just about everywhere, (laughs) Iceland.
0: (laughs) What are some basic things that they can do to improve sexual relationships?
1: So for anyone at any level, this work really begins with self-love and self-pleasure. So even if you're a tantric master, I would say that there's ways to enhance one's meeting of oneself. Um, at the highest, most advanced level, it can be uh, like making love to divinity itself. So that self-pleasuring is this act of deep worship and prayer. Um, at the level of like, whoa, I don't know what Tantra is and I just want to play with, I want a a basic exercise. I would say drop the script of whatever you normally pleasure yourself to because we all have this like masturbatory material that we tend to go to that gets us off. And I would say like take that off for a moment, you know, set that on the shelf and show up to yourself with the sensitivity and the tenderness and the listening that you would show up to a virgin and self-pleasure from that place of learning your own body. What what do you really like? What are you feeling? What's coming up for you? And with that tenderness, as if it were your first time, you can find, you can learn a lot about your own re- authentic likes and dislikes and your body's response. And with that self-wisdom, as you as you cultivate that, as what you learn about yourself, you actually come to your next lover. You know whether it's your wife of twenty years or your, you know, first date. You come more with more self awareness that then increases your uh, the depth of your connection, right? Because we can only ultimately connect with another to the degree that we connect with ourselves.
0: You know that makes a lot of sense, and I, I liked in. I can't remember if it was in one of the erotica novels that you've written or in uh sacred sexual healing somewhere, someone it was recommended or else somebody was doing where they were reading to their partner mm-hmm. erotica. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So when I wrote 52 Fridays, Maybe it was 52 Fridays. It's the explicit intention to be like, Ooh, let's, you know, go on a fantastical fantasy journey with kink and play and all kinds of exotic scenes that could inspire a couple. You know, you can do it with yourself and it inspires new ways of, you know, like new possibilities of relationships you might try to seek, but you could certainly with a partner read these chapters, because they're small, you know, 52 of them, they're small little transmissions that have various sexual teachings in them. Um, and then the two of you could make love if it's a like foreplay, like read erotica like foreplay, you could play as a result of that, or you could talk about what it inspires in you that might then create a, a scene, you know, that you've never tried before.
0: Yeah. and I think it's the talking that is the big thing. So many people don't talk, which is, which is terrible.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, it's ironic because when you started this interview, you said, let's jump into sex. And I joked about without foreplay, you know, nope. and <laughs> talking about sex is foreplay. It's like, yes. it's the best thing when you start to talk about it. We realize we, especially, and I I don't tend to get gendered, obviously I'm gender transcendent, that's why my pronouns are they, them, but the male brain physiologically and the female brain tend to have uh, differences. And one of the differences is that male sexual energy is more visual. So they've done these MRI studies that show when a, uh, during orgasm or arousal that the male, brain sees more images. There's more of a, um, like that's what, part of the attraction to porn and the part of the brain that lights up when it's being shown porn is the same part of the brain in the female brain that lights up when she's having a deep conversation, like and talking about the deep matters of her heart or even yeah. like, you know, like appreciations or, you know, poetry that that part of her brain gets all turned on. And it, it, so that's interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, you talk about the visual, I think I read somewhere years and years and years ago, women worry so much about their bodies, and they don't want to be seen naked. But when men see the woman naked, they don't see imperfections, they only see the things that they absolutely love about that woman's body. Mm. And I think that that women need to remember that. Do not I mean, if you worry about whatever you worry about, about your body, don't worry about it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, take your clothes off, be naked, be with the be with your, your person. And they're going to look at you and see what they like. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about the the visual, they see in, in the images. I thought, well, that makes perfect sense. Regarding what I'd read, wherever I read it. Mm -hmm. Probably like Psychology Today in a waiting room somewhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a sex and relationship coach for many years, I've worked with couples who, you know, often she doesn't feel seen. Like maybe you know, part the 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 body shame or dysphoria or insecurity is so deep and it's so complex. And I wish that just telling her, don't worry, he won't see it would make the difference. But oftentimes it's a relational dynamic where a couple really has to cultivate, like what do we need to do to be comfortable getting more naked? And uh, But I agree with you that it is about seeing the beauty and see instead of seeing seeing the flower, instead of seeing the weeds. Um, And that as a tip, whether male or female, is such a beautiful life tool. You know, if somebody's gonna get naked before you, what a humbling and like, what an honor. <laughs> and yeah. regardless of our gender, we should all bow and celebrate, you know, the vulnerability and the beauty of someone undressing.
0: Is that, is that the thing that you think is the most hindering to relationships? Is this fear?
1: Okay, so I have a cat that's meowing just in case your listeners are, what is happening? <laughs> the pheromones are getting turned on and my, my animal is coming out. Um, as a pattern, there's many different themes that that arise because relationships are very complex. But I would say that one of the biggest challenges in relationships is codependence. And by that, I mean this over-concern about what another thinks or feels as opposed to, you know, who am I and how do I be that in the world and and how do I be in a partnership where I want this other person to shine and they want for me to shine and that's how we're, that's our come from. And it's this kind of compulsive like concern about how another person's either perceiving us or or what they're saying to us or they, that that it creates a downward spiral for two or more parties doesn't matter how many people are in the relationship um it's like we keep running into each other's lane <laughs> and if, when we learn to just
0: stay in our own lane a relationship can just really flow a lot smoother i want to i want to touch on your erotica cuz uh i think people need to read more of it <laughs> <laughs> good i think they should i agree yeah most definitely and uh You've got several books. They're hidden here. On the, I've got my I'm trying to get to my screen here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Fifty Two Fridays um, is one, and then there's the other one here that was Don't Drink the Punch.
1: Oh right, so my first novel, uh, thirteen years ago, which is still like shockingly relevant today, <laughs> um, it was about a. It's an adventure in tantra, and it was about a uh wild tantric sex cult you know so so we have a a Jewish filmmaker who goes to study like you know goes on a spiritual pilgrimage and finds himself in this sex cult (laughs) and so the adventure is that he's getting all these transmissions and teachings and ultimately uh really has to make a decision like Many cults, you have these charismatic leaders who are saying, This is how it's done, and he and the ultimate decision he has to be make is to follow his inner guru. Uh so that I would say is the theme of almost every book I've ever written. Uh there may be teachings in Cosmo, or like you said, you know, something you read in the a magazine (laughs) in a waiting room and you're like, oh, that's a good idea. I should try this. Or you pay thousands of dollars to a big therapist to support you sexually. And there is ultimately no authority outside of yourself about your sexuality. That's greater than your own like inner knowing. And it's the deep journey is how to uncover that, how to continuously listen to your life force energy and let that be the teacher, not
0: anyone telling you what it should look like. So for anybody interested in, in starting, I mean, there's a lot of places to start with what, with your, with your books, Mm -hmm. what would you recommend that they start?
1: As an entry point, the book that you keep referencing, um, sacred sexual healing has the most clear big picture, you know, this is a, a a picture of the field and what's possible and step-by-step how to 24, you know, exercises that you can practice with yourself or with others. And uh, so this as a how-to book, I would say the, the subtitle is the shaman method of sex magic. So sex, Sex, sacred Sexual Healing actually teaches sex magic practices that are not printed anywhere else. You know, and at the time that I wrote it 13 years ago, it was so radical, like sex magic was nothing. People didn't talk about it, it wasn't in print. Um, and this was actually kind of a, the beginning of a lot of a, a oral tradition getting transmitted now in, on paper.
0: You said there's um, lessons. I, I don't know if I call it, want to call it lessons. There's I call them
1: embodiment
0: exercises. Exercises. That was the word I was trying to get to, and I could not get to. Mm-hmm. I see this other one polyamory pearls.
1: Yeah. So, depending on, you know, that's really quite specific to your relationship style. Um, and I would recommend uh, if somebody's already on the polyamory. The path of open relating, and you have multiple loving partners with the informed consent of all, then that's a, a fun resource. Um, but the most, uh, I guess, mystical, intriguing of all my writings is actually not my writing at, at all, but, a, but an anthology of sex shamans. So I'm the editor of a compilation of these visionary pioneers who had sexual awakenings at some point in their lives and then dedicated their lives to teaching and healing others. And so by telling these people's story, 20 of them, you read each story, like from a runway model to a rabbi, to a skydiving teacher, like one's a nurse and a midwife. And, and it's like, how did these people have these awakenings and then dedicate their lives to teaching sacred sexuality? Um, it's a it's a fabulous like ride. <laughs> so I, I I'm excited about sex
0: shamans. And it's an audiobook too. Yes. Yeah. So if if I'm listening in the car, am I going to accidentally drive into traffic because I'm listening and not paying attention to the road? <laughs> <laughs> I, that always it's so funny. Um,
1: I'm a huge audiobook listener, and I'm so grateful that uh driving is sort of an automatic process, and I can go on all these journeys um, but yeah, if you my son's just
0: learning to drive now, I wouldn't recommend it for a newbie <laughs> no no, you know you got to be careful what you're listening to. I was listening to a friend's uh oh romance um uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what, what, but anyway, and I'm listening and, and I was driving somewhere I had never been before. And there was all these turns, you know, every half block, there was another turn. He slowly unbuttoned her turn left at the next. It's like, ah. <laughs> I had to pull over. I told her I had to pull over to the side of the road so mm-hmm. I could finish hearing the chapter. <laughs> crazy. But yeah, you, you want to be careful in the car. Uh, so that's a good one. So that's, uh, and that that's available. They're all available anywhere, right? Yeah. Anywhere books are sold. Yeah. Just
1: uh, Kamala Devi McClure on Amazon will take you to my whole library
0: and Kamala Devi.com has a bookstore. Okay. If you had one piece of advice, and I know it, just from talking with you and reading your, and reading your books, taking care of yourself seems to be the biggest thing and starting with yourself within yourself
1: here's the irony of that like i am deeply dedicated to the awakening the awakening of myself and others uh to how individual we are we're all unique but the irony is that we're also immensely interconnected So part of this focus on the self is uh, once we, it's like in, in order to get enough of ourselves present so that we can be available for others. And it's ironic because I'm not talking about the small self. I'm not talking about like the ego or your personality. It's like a lot of the teachings are how do we penetrate into the deep self, which is the soul, which is here inseparable from all the other souls and here to serve each other. And so we can't jump into service and contribution to the world if we're too personally uh, selfish and needy. So we want to fill our own cups so that we can overflow to the world. uh, And so a lot of the, the the teachings around focusing on the self is in order to actually transcend the self. And then, you know, ultimately this life is only worth living if we're in service, you know, to something bigger than the self.
0: So I, I want to thank you for coming on today. And I want to remind people that you can find all of these books I'll have links in the show notes, but you can find all these books, you said on Amazon and and all around everywhere. And you do, I was thinking I read that you had some workshops opening up.
1: Yeah, so I would love to invite you to both online and in person. I have a full calendar of events at kamaladevi.com. And the best way to stay connected with me is to sign up. I've got lots of free gifts, actually. If you go to kamaladevi.com, I can send you chapters and free eBooks, but, but also invitations to my, my teachings around the world.
0: That sounds great. I, it's been such a pleasure, Melissa, thank you. Yeah, it was great talking to you. It is a fascinating subject. And uh, I hope that the listeners today will dive into this just a little bit.
1: Me too, blessings. <laughs>
0: thank you. You'll find links to everything we discussed in the show notes. If you would like to comment on this episode or suggest a book, you'll find a way to do that down there too. That's it for now. I'll see you next time. Go read a good book.